Hello and welcome to Counterpressed on The Ringer and Spotify. I'm in the studio with Kate Longhurst, Jesse Parker-Humphreys and producer Becky. <laughs> Kate, are you okay there? <laughs> Burnt my tongue. <laughs> oh. oh, that was so hot. Sorry. <laughs> no, you're fine. Kate, it's, a, it's been a while. We haven't seen you in ages. Maybe come someone else first. Give Kate a minute. <laughs> um, because since we last saw you, which feels like crazy. It's so emotional to be back. <laughs> um, you, there's some big news in the Longhurst household because you are now a Charlton Athletic player. I am. Congratulations. I am. Thank you. And I am now a Charlton fan. <laughs> yeah, we're all Charlton fans. I was already a Charlton fan, yeah, sort of. True. The shirt looks great. Um, how does it feel to be now a South East London girl? You digging it? Yeah, it's been a really good start, actually. Um, I've only been there two weeks, so still trying to get used to everything. But I've um, been welcomed in, feel really settled. So feels like I've been there ages now. And what's pre-season been like so far? Has it mainly just been like fitness tests or tell us how it goes at this point? Uh, we did a bit of screening when I first went in and then... Screen- fitness- screening's like assessing where everyone is. Yeah, or- sort of like your jumps. Right. Um, oh, okay. Like all your right. strength testing, stuff yeah. like that. Still got it? Obviously. <laughs> yeah, good to know. Anything anything bending, I'm like... <laughs> but um, yeah, and then we did fitness testing uh, on the Sunday and then it's just been football and running and it's hard Mm. I kind of didn't think it was going to be this hard and I'm like getting home and taking naps (laughs) I don't know if that's my age but I'm tired also Charlton is a team of like youngsters you know so are you feeling that a little bit as well yeah but I still feel I'm I'm holding my own on the on the running so it's all right um but yeah I mean I I don't know whether it's just because I've had four weeks of not like not off completely because obviously I've had to do stuff to keep myself ticking over, but maybe just getting back in the the swing of things is tiring me out a little bit. Is it nice? Is it nice to be back though? Do you are you really excited about the season coming up? Yeah, I think for me, it's I've I've been at West Ham for five years, um, so a complete change of environment. Being the new person, I'm normally the one that like welcomes people in, so I've trying to been like flitting myself about and trying to get to know everyone and yeah what, um, what's it like you, what, the way you're describing it makes it seem like a new person entering Love Island yeah <laughs> so how what you because <laughs> <laughs> I always get so nervous when you sit there and you think oh, can I sit with you guys at lunch how do you do it it's, it's kind of awkward but I kind of just put myself there it's like you have no choice I'm gonna talk to you yeah so um that's what yeah, I feel what, when you come in here. So I, know. I relate to him exactly. Like, what else can you do? Yeah. Like, if I sit there quietly, I'm not going to get to know people. Um, it's, and it's just going to be though. awkward. That's so, really hard. Yeah, but I think as well, like, I'm quite good at small talk. So once you get past the small talk phase as well, and you have more things to talk about, then it kind of gets easier. So I think if I can try and put myself... I like the way you were just describing it. You start with the small talk and then when you get through that... It almost, I feel like, are we doing flirting or networking tips here from Kate Longhurst? We're good to networking. Um, but yeah, like, you've just got to put yourself out there and I think already they've probably realised, like, I'm not 
like the full ticket so <laughs> it's, it's good to know early on and then there's no disappointing if anyone's mean to you Kate you come to us <laughs> yeah. and we'll have a word we okay. will we, Thank we, you. don't worry we'll, we'll look after you and tell us about the how, how the move came about as well because obviously a lot of West Ham fans were disappointed to see you go and I think a lot of people were thinking oh where is Kate Longhurst going to end up because you know there are there are quite a few options of where you could go so what made you want to pick Charlton in the end and was it a tough decision to potentially not take up other offers elsewhere yeah I think um it was more I kind of I mean I spoke to Jesse about this earlier but I kind of wanted to stay down south because I thought for potentially just one year um I don't really want to have to move my life about and and relocate and stuff and not be able to watch West Ham and not be able to watch West Ham (laughs) (laughs) it's the main reason I have renewed my season ticket um but yeah so that was a big factor for me um but I also just wanted to go somewhere where I felt like I had a genuine chance of some game time um, somewhere that would challenge me as well um, and stay motivated to play um, and somewhere with a, where a good environment is. And once I'd kind of been to Charlton's training ground, I spoke to Karen um, and she kind of laid out the plans for the season and, and got to know some of the girls. Um, I think I've definitely made the right decision, so it was good for me. Well, we for one can't wait to go watch a Charlton game this season. It's going to be All the Parker Humphreys are like, my dad was like, oh, we've got to go and see it. Ed was like, yeah, we'll have to go to a game. I was like, you know, they don't actually play like near where we <laughs> Where is the Charlton ground? It's like in BCD. Yeah. Where's Crayford? Somewhere south. Near, it's like next to Dartford. Do you know where oh, that is? Okay. Yeah, so but we are having some games at the Valley as well. So okay, we'll, we'll, come to that one. we'll come to a Valley we'll one for sure. I've got a red yeah. flare left over from... All right, when Liverpool, get kicked out. Charlton Ultras. <laughs> when Liverpool were in the Champions League final and I bought flares. Um, so yeah, I'll be there. Did you guys Great. see that video of Ellie Carpenter where I think it was Channel 9 were asking her, you know, how can people get behind the World Cup? Like, what, 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 what do you want from fans? And she was like, flares, bring your flares. So oh, wow. um, yeah, pack your flares, Becky, although you I'm might get sure, kicked off the flight. Yeah, I'm, I'm not, not sure, sure that you get on the plane Save it for the valley, I would. But maybe we can source some. I mean, I'm sure you can buy flares in Australia. Yeah. Anyway, on today's episode, we are doing our third preview of the week. So if you haven't already listened to ABC, FGH, my alphabets, earlier in the week, then please do check them out. But on today's show, we're going to be looking into the US of A, the reigning world champions, and discussing if they have what it takes to claim a world title once again. So this team needs absolutely no introduction, guys, because we know plenty about them because they beat England in the last World Cup and went on to win the World Cup. Uh, They've won it plenty of time, four-time world champions, Olympic gold medalists, uh, CONCACAF champions, like something ridiculous, like... 10 times or something silly. So the US are very good at women's football, <laughs> is all we need to say. And that's the preview episode done. <laughs> that is all we have time for. But we do probably have to say that this USA team does feel very different to the teams we've seen in previous World Cups. There's been a few changes with a new coach, Vlatko Alonoski coming in, Jill Ellis no more. She stepped down basically straight after the last World Cup. 
Also, some new players. You know, there's been a, a bit of a mix of fresh, young, exciting new talent with Alyssa Thompson, Sophia Smith, Trinity Rodman. Also, some really fun new faces like Savannah DeMello, who's had a very good NWSL season and only has one cap so far coming into the squad. So there's a, 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 reasons, a lot of reasons to be excited, but then a lot of reasons to think maybe this is a team that are quite unpredictable in terms of their expectations. Let's focus in on where the expectations might be for now, Jesse, because I think there is always hype. And in terms of like the bookies, USA are still the bookies' favourite to win this tournament. And their history will put them in that place. Some of the individual players will put them in that place. But like, do you think that tag is warranted at the moment? Well, if you came to the JPH bookie, I would give you I would give you good odds, bad odds. How does that work? Which way around is it? Bad good. odds. Oh, so you don't think they're going to? No, because oh. good odds would be that if gonna... I didn't think they were going to okay, win. Okay, now I'm right. confused because I... So like, it depends which if you view, would it so be? So good odds would be... That I think the USA a, will win. That's I, what I'm trying okay, to say. Okay, so you would, <laughs> okay, give, yeah. you would give me bad odds as a as a betting person. Yeah, but I would say give me got, £10 and if they win, I'll only give you at one. At the moment, but I that's think... good odds for that. I don't know. Yeah, that's really confusing. I've never thought about it deeply. Right, I know, nor did I, I understand. before I went into this stupid analogy. <laughs> at the moment, they're like nine to two. So essentially, if you bet on them to win, you're probably not going to get that much money because... And that's what bookie that's, JPH that's is also saying. That's what at my bookies, yes. Um, I, I'm not coming to your bookies because you obviously don't know how it works. So <laughs> that I've would got be no wise of you. <laughs> so um, anyway. <laughs> I think they have a very good chance of winning. Yeah, I think I think there's there's kind of two things. One, they, they have a lot of very talented players. I know they're obviously missing players through injury. I know their squad's kind of gone through a bit of a shift over the past four years as as you would expect um but I think they have a really nice blend still of players who are experienced players who who know what it means to compete at a world cup alongside newer players who other teams maybe don't know as much about who will be harder to game plan against and then the second element I think is that they're on the easy side of the draw so I also think they've got an advantage because it's hard to see teams, I think, on that side who I feel like are really going to test the US. And I just think that will probably allow them to reach the final in quite a good shape. Kate, do you think they still have that aura around them? Because I, I personally feel like this tournament is the first time I viewed them in a very long time. Maybe the, the Olympic Games, but that was sort of a very strange time for a lot of teams. But this is the first time I've sort of been scared of... the Well... I guess this is the first time I've not been scared of them, I should say. Like, there's still a fear factor and an aura and, like, a, a rivalry to them. But I I would say that I definitely don't view them in the same sort of way anymore. But I don't know if that's just me. But I think that that invincibility about them has dimmed a little bit. I think because I've had the same squad for such a long time in terms of the players that were there that just kept winning and were, like, relentless some of them have moved on. Some of them are more so fringe players now, but have so much experience that they can still help the camp. Um, I see what you mean in terms of maybe as players, you'd be like, okay, they're not so many levels above us, which I think was the problem in the past. And not even necessarily the way USA always play, because I think sometimes it was almost like a mental shift for other players thinking we're playing the USA. They always win. They're so much better, even though actually on the pitch, 
they maybe in the last few years haven't been as good and as dominant as they have been previously. Um, but I also think there's a lot of good young players now um, coming through. I mean, you already mentioned Thompson, um, Rodman and Smith up top. There's so much unpredictability, but so much quality as well that I think the fact that they can change it a lot, I think they have a lot of options, even with the injuries of people they're missing. Um, I think Pew would be a big, big miss for them, but... I think with the players that they have available, I still think they can be a big threat. And I do think that kind of aura, though, might give other teams a chance. Um, but they still have experience in terms of Alex Morgan, um, Crystal Dunn, people like that, that have the experience of winning Rapino. Um, they kind of know how to get it done. And I think maybe because now England have won the Euros, their mentality can shift as well in terms of we've actually won something now, we know what it's like to win on a big stage. Um, but I think with key players missing there as well, you know, it's. I think it's quite open. I think it would be one of the most open World Cups we've had and hopefully it's that way. We've said, I mean, Jesse said this to me, like it's so open, that kind of just gives you the feeling that they just still might win it. Yeah, yeah, true. Jesse, let's dig into the squad itself because they've had injury issues. They're missing some key players. Captain Becky Sauerbrunn didn't make the World Cup squad through injury. Sam Mewis has been absent for over a year now with a, a long-term injury. It's unclear about her her future moving forward. Julia Ertz coming back after having a baby. There are some gaps there that that have really been there since the last World Cup win. But do you think there's still enough kind of core depth there and strength to get them to the final and win it? Yeah, I think so. I think I think defensively, obviously, Sauber missing out will be a big loss just in terms of giving a sort of rejigged back line the opportunity to build those relationships with each other. Um, but obviously, you know, like a player like Crystal Dunn, we know that she'd probably prefer to play in midfield. It looks like she will carry on playing at fullback, but that's a good leader to have there, having Alyssa Nea behind them. I mean, I don't think Nea's had the best season, but it looks like she still will be sort of first choice. And again, that's someone who, who's got a load of experience. And I think that's what you see is even though players are missing out, they've still got that real spine of the team who have gone and done it before. So when you're looking at players like yeah, Nea, Dunn, Haran and Ertz and then all the way up towards like Alex Morgan and I think that keeping that spine will be really really key I think midfield is maybe the area where I'm a bit like ooh because Rose Lavelle's not played a lot of football she didn't play in their warm-up match against Wales obviously like Savannah DeMello has been this really exciting call-up but it's kind of crazy that yeah the Wales game was her first cap um Ertz we know what can she, she can do I think I think Ertz and Haran like can they be fit? Do they have the capacity to, you know, play a lot of games, to really play a lot of minutes within the World Cup? I think that that could be key. And Haran obviously captaining now as well, jointly and, with Alex Morgan. And there was there, so many of the players you listed off were the key players in 2019. Lavelle ended up winning the silver ball, didn't she, for the tournament um, as the second best player of the tournament. That was a breakout tournament for her. Sam Mewis was a key part of it. Julie Ertz was a key part of that win. And they're all coming into this World Cup in slightly different scenarios. Megan Rapinoe, this is going to be her last tournament. She still has that sort of like wow factor that she can bring out any point, but she is coming towards the end of career and she is used, like Kate says, in a slightly different way. So 
all these players that have been so core that Vlatko Nanovsky's tried to still hold on to but use in different ways, they're now going into it like all in slightly different almost stages of their career. Let's talk about Vlatko specifically because he hasn't always uh, had a positive reputation for his coaching style. Like, he's a very popular guy. Um, but I don't think a lot of USA fans have been blown away by some of the moves and the decisions he's made throughout his tenure. They Ever since he came in, you know, they've, they've had some dodgy results and dodgy, dodgy performances. Jesse, do you think anything has changed around him as a coach in the last six months? Or do you think that it's going to be the individual quality that will be what makes USA favourites rather than his ability to tweak and change and things like that. I think Anonofsky is clearly is a talented coach. I think lots of the question marks have come around, is he the kind of coach who can take that sort of ability to coach league football and do it in an international tournament? Because we know... Those demands are totally different. We know actually sometimes different managerial styles suit one more than the other. I think obviously this is this is the tournament that will be judged on. I think the Olympics and the performances of the Olympics, they weren't great. But at the same time, it was a very unique tournament. He was just sort of coming into the job. And I know that the USA have had some rubbishy results over the past year, but it kind of feels like unfair to sort of judge those I wouldn't want to put too much weight on ultimately what are friendlies even though you know I'm sure teams like England and Germany will take a lot from having picked up those wins um so yeah I think it will be important for him and you know his continued career I think that's part of the pressure of being the US manager right if if the US don't win it feels hard to imagine him staying in the job because that is that is the expectation because they normally go on and win uh, but I think I'm happy to reserve judgment until I see USA actually play out a World Cup. We spoke about the 2019 World Cup being a breakout tournament or a huge tournament for some new faces like Rose Lavelle, but also a cementing of the legacy of people like Megan Rapinoe and Alex Morgan. And there's been the off the field struggle and campaigning, which has kind of, I guess, added to their status and their legacy as icons within the sport. But do you think, Kate, this is going to be the tournament in which we're going to see that passing of the baton? We're going to see these new, young, fresh faces show what they're about and start a new legacy for themselves and really establish like what the future of US women's football looks like? Yeah, I think every tournament you see players that you you see a lot in domestic football do well, but then they're actually doing it on the international stage. Uh, I think especially in their forward line now, they have got some really exciting players. Um, when USA played England, I was really impressed with um, Sophia Smith in terms of, I've never actually seen her play live, um, but obviously seen, seen what she does in the NWSL. Um, she looks a very exciting prospect. Um, and then you've obviously got Trinity Rodman as well, who's maybe being pushed as the new face of of um, USA football in terms of, I think, her physical stature, um, the way she plays, her intelligence, things like that. I think she looks a very solid addition and it's a chance for them to step up as well. Um, but I'm also really interested to see if Alyssa Thompson gets much game time because I think she's she only 18. She, she's a young player. I know she hasn't got much experience, but it'll be interesting to see if she gets many minutes um, because I think... 
that can be somewhere where she can kind of put herself on a platform and show what she's about. Um, she looks really exciting as well. So I do think their forward line will be, of course, you're going to have Alex Morgan with the experience and everything, but I think it's nice that they kind of have a lot of different options where I think they will challenge teams and especially in the group stages. I mean, Vietnam in the first game should be a, a good opportunity for them to show what they can do. Um was it Thailand that they... Yeah, I, you don't want a repeat of that. And I, I don't think it will be as, as dramatic as that. But I think it's a good opportunity for them to take their chance and show what they're about. And it'd be interesting to see who can step up. But I definitely think those players in the front line are, are the ones that can maybe shine this tournament. Jesse, we've seen Smith, Rodman and Thompson absolutely light up the NWSL and everyone's been talking about them this season. Sophia Smith especially, she won Player of the Season last year. Playing at a World Cup is a big adjustment. How do you think they're going to make that step up from the end of SL to playing in a World Cup? I think Sophia Smith will absolutely fly. I just think she's so, so ridiculously talented. Um, and I think she'll do really well. Rodman, I think we've seen what she can do. I think it will just be interesting to see who who starts. Like, Thompson, I really, yeah, I don't know if she will get minutes. I think she seems like more of a wild card sort of random throw the dice potential kind of thing. Yeah, and I think it will be interesting because someone who we haven't talked about yet is Lynn Williams, who's obviously making her World Cup debut, but is sort of, it's just, again, such an electric player to watch. Um, I really hope we get to see her. I think Vlatko sort of talked about her as being like a 15 minute player. So I wonder if he sees her as like a sort of super sub option and maybe that will mean Rodman will get the will get the nod. Um obviously Thompson started that Wales game so I I just feel a bit like confused about who exactly will play and that again I guess shows you the depth that the USA have that you can sort of see this front three and be like wait but hang on like is this really going to be what we see against Vietnam or maybe even more pertinently what we see against the Netherlands. Um but yeah I think Rodman and Smith especially have shown repeatedly in the NWSL that not only are they just talented, they also have it, if you know what I mean. Like they, ni neither of them are scared about taking responsibility for their team, about being on a big stage. And that's what I think is so exciting from a US perspective, that not only do you have these like talented players, you have players who are willing to take responsibility on the pitch. And I think that's like really the difference between being like good at football and great at football. Yeah, in at our live show in Manchester, we had a conversation about what constitutes a young player because Sophia Smith is my pick for breakout young player of the tournament but she's 22 and she talked about in the US uh, women's national team sort of media day about how she'd never used a CD player shocking. which is just shocking <laughs> um Kate, and what was the first like like music listening device that you used a tape <laughs> yeah I had a tape player and yeah, if I you, had a tape player too uh, yeah to like wind it back yeah, with a pencil yeah. if it all came out I had this like 90s mega mix tape and it used to have that go no 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 there's no limit I used to just rewind and be like here we go it was so good I used to tape my nan had a very big like 
I think by that time it was all, it had like a record player on top and then like tapes in the front. And I used to, and it was a radio and I used to tape like the, the charts yeah, so yeah. That I could listen to them back. Did you have those weird mini clip ones? It was like a key ring that you put a little mini disc in. It would just play one tune that was like Britney or NSYNC or something. I do remember you know, them. I, I didn't think they were called one. mini clip or something like that. I can't remember. They're, the quality was really bad, but it's like all we had. Anyway, Sophia Smith didn't have any of that. She's 22. It, it, you know, she, she has all the makings of, well, she already is a bit of a superstar. But it's weird because we've got a lot of teenagers coming into this tournament. You're like, oh, Sophia Smith, 22. What about these 17, 18-year-olds? But she feels like she is just further on in that development. But she's turned that immense talent and shown that she can harness that and then actually deliver it because... That is the making of these great players because we've spoken in the previous previews about really talented people that we're excited to see perform at a World Cup. But actually, it's really hard if you've got that raw, exciting talent and you're a very kind of highly rated youngster. We talked about Micah Hamano in in that context, Jesse. Like, you just don't know how these young players are going to do when their teams might struggle. So that that will define how well they're going to do. They don't know how many minutes they're going to get because they're still quite young. But it's players like Sophia Smith, you think, okay, like she is going to excel here and she's going to get the opportunity and she's going to kind of be a, a massive presence. It is interesting though, Becky, when we think about what it takes mentally when you're that age and you are still a teenager and not listening to tapes, but maybe like listening to Spotify. I don't know. Um, to, the, <laughs> to then go to World Cup and be in this really intense, strange environment. I think the difference that I see between like the USA youngsters and maybe like some of these other younger players that we've been talking about in these previews is like they have grown up in an environment where women's football in the US is like so dominating. Um, and so they, I think maybe they just have like a different mindset to like how these other players might view it. And, you know, they're, they're always told, they've always known like you are the best, like this country is the best at this. And I think that probably just like gives them confidence. Like there's players that we've talked about being like, I mean, Sam Kerr, not a youngster, but like how kind of like the pressure is on her to kind of like be the star and take Australia through it's like when you're in an environment like the US Women's National Team, like you don't have that as a young player. You know that everybody around you is also very, very good. And I think that's like really positive for them and makes them feel like much more confident in going into it. I also just can't imagine being 17 and having to deal with like the shit that you deal with of like being a teenage girl and also having to go to a World Cup. That's mental. I think that's the luxury as well of some of these bigger, wealthier nations like the US and like England is that the environment and the resources that you create around it means you can support these young players and they don't just become standout young bits of talent that might get picked up by a European club or might be such an important player. They've got all of that around them. And to what you said, Kay, earlier about the gap closing between the USA and other teams is that other teams are creating that now, that other teams are creating that solid pathway. So it's not just the USA having so much depth and having a great college system and a, and a successful league. It's like lots of other countries are catching up and therefore that talent pathway is going to start so much younger but be so much stronger across the board rather than just being one 19-year-old who looks really sick for Colombia or Japan or whatever. 
Yeah, definitely. I've also got one more question. With Becky Sauron not going to the World Cup, is Becky Taylor Gill the most famous <gasps> Becky going to the World Cup? Wow. Huge. Oh. No, Becky Spencer. That's what I thought. That was so the rival. Take Becky Spencer. But you're second. Thank you. <laughs> That's good. You were, you would have only been in bronze <laughs> position if Becky Sauron. Trying to think, are there any other Beckys? Wow, huge for me and Becky Spencer. <laughs> <laughs> I actually can't think. I'm going to DM her. Janine, Janine Becky is Janine injured. Janine Becky. Oh, that is, she no, she's did, not going. Yeah, she's injured. She would be the only one. Um, I don't think there's any more. Well, there we go. Wow. Breaking news. I think of any. Becky Spencer, like DM me. We'll chat about being <laughs> the, the most important Beckys at photo the World shoot. Cup. Becky photo shoot. <laughs> so let's get stuck into some of the other teams in the USA's group next. So Group E that the USA are in, we've got Vietnam, Netherlands and Portugal. Start with Vietnam, another World Cup debutant. They do have to start their World Cup against the USA, which is probably the worst case scenario for them. They have really come on leaps and bounds regionally, and that's what got them to this tournament. They finished fourth at the uh, Asian Football Federation's Women's Championship last year. And there's a lot of sort of exciting, optimistic energy in this team. But realistically, when you look at this group, this is going to probably be a really tough challenge for Vietnam to compete with two quite strong European teams. I mean, Netherlands very strong and the USA. So I fear for them and having quite big scorelines in these games, Kate. Um, so I just hope that the USA one isn't too big. Yeah, I, we've seen what USA can do to teams and it's... Um... You don't want any more celebrations of like... Let's it's, bring back this discourse! <laughs> you know, where it's... Later. Yeah, I mean, listen, a World Cup for anyone is an absolute honour, isn't it? And a privilege. And I think for those players, just to get there is huge. It's their first World Cup. I think, imagine if they scored a goal, like, even if it made... Scoring made it a goal would be one or something. Like, yeah. I think... For them, they're realistic in terms of they know their level, they know where they're at and, and what they're trying to build and just for the country to kind of see a women's football team representing them on the world stage. It's like a huge, huge deal. Um, I, I do fear for them a little bit. I haven't watched any of their games, I'll be honest. Um, so <laughs> what I do you mean you're not tuning into the <laughs> Vietnamese League every well, As much as I'm trying. <laughs> what I was going to say, Jesse, is the interesting thing about Vietnam is they've kind of become everyone's go-to warm-up fixture for this World Cup. They had a game against Germany, which actually they didn't do too badly in. And they also had a get they've got a game against Spain either like this some point this week. So I feel like they've become quite a natural choice as, hey, let's have a warm-up game against Vietnam. So I've I've seen their reputation change to sort of like nice, friendly warm-up crew, which actually it's pretty good in terms of preparation. You're throwing yourself in right at the deep end, playing really tough teams. And in that Germany game, living on the edge, but holding your own in many ways, Jesse. Yeah, I'm sure, you know what? So they lost 2-1 to Germany. That I'm sure that will feel like... Massive. Yeah, in terms of going into those games against the USA, against the Netherlands. Um, they did then lose to New Zealand, I think. So, um, But only 2-0, that one. But just obviously New Zealand aren't. Yeah, another warm-up game. They are they cashing are. them in. More than England have got. <laughs> I know. Um, 
Yeah, I, I agree with everything Kate said. I, I think it will be very tough for them, obviously. But ultimately, I think for for Vietnam and, and teams in similar positions, this is almost like hopefully about it being the start of a journey and the start of like establishing themselves more on the global stage um, rather than feeling like it's their current destination because, yeah, clearly it's it's going to be a very, very tricky group for them. Let's talk about the game of this group, though, which is the 2019 World Cup final rematch. USA facing the Netherlands. Both teams, a lot has happened since then. But especially for the Netherlands, just in the case of the past year, they had a disappointing Euros. Mark Parsons was head coach at that point. It doesn't end well. The team never really settled with him. There's a bit of, you know, quite a lot of chat before and after the tournament about the fact they didn't never really liked him. He then leaves in uh, August. Andres Jonkers comes in and he's actually managed to change quite a lot and the team looked better as a result, especially better than the Euros last year. But Jesse, do you think there's been enough time and there's also enough depth in that squad? Because I don't think the squad is as good as it was in 2019. But do you think there's been enough time with him at the helm and there's enough quality there for the Netherlands to push like they did in 2019 and get as deep as they did in 2019? I think to get all the way to the final would be a big ask of them. I feel like they are in this sort of transition period. We know how exciting lots of the young Dutch players are. Um, I don't know if we can count Victoria Plover as young. I've seen a debate over that because she is 24. But obviously we've seen what... Old bitch. <laughs> she also looks so young. She's and that's definitely why used a CD player. You, she, Victoria Plover, if you've used a CD player, please <laughs> let me take young out of my description of you. Um, but, you know... She's obviously very talented. Esme Brutes is a, another player who um, looks to potentially be making a big summer move. This could be sort of a, an opportunity for her to put herself in the shop window this tournament. But then also players who didn't make the squad like Romy Leuchter. Um So I think Dutch football is in a good place, but I just don't know whether it's got to where it needs to get to with that sort of rejuvenation of, of bringing young players in. I think obviously not having Viv Miedemar is is a huge miss. And I think when you look at how that team wants to try and attack, it doesn't really feel like they've got this sort of guaranteed goal threat. I know, you know, they've they've got players like Berenstein, they've got like Katja Snorges. Uh, <laughs> I really should have... Some really good yeah. pronunciations there. Um, I'm impressed. But I don't know if those are the kind of players who are, who are at the level of, of sort of what a Miedemar can offer because obviously she, you know, she's one of the best in the world. Equally, I think that back line um, potentially a little bit shaky. We've seen Sherida Spitzer sort of playing in this back three and that would personally make me feel <laughs> stressed. No offence, Sherida. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I think they could cause like the USA some problems. Like I think they're good enough to do that. I don't know if they have enough going for them to make a, a run as deep as they did in 2019. It also feels like with the Euros, there were quite a few happy accidents that happened over with the Netherlands as well, with the d almost discovery of Daphne van Domselaar, who only came in um, because there was an injury to van Wienendal and then became one of the greatest colleagues of all time and is now... <laughs> come to, no, do you know what I mean? I'm, getting, I'm being yeah. silly. But she had very few caps and they uncovered this gem. She's now got moved to the WSL. I have a feeling it was 
her first. There was I a lot of debate, wasn't there? It was like very early, but it was like one or two. Was like one okay. or, she had a Sorry. few. But there was a lot of debate on Twitter because obviously women's football has a terrible record at keeping stats. No one knew exactly how many, but she came in because of that injury and she's also created this really important foundation for them. But it's, it's interesting, Jesse. I guess, to think about the sliding doors. Imagine if Van Vinendel hadn't got injured in that game. Do you think, do you think we still would have found... Van Domselaar coming to the fore like recently or? Yeah, I think so. I think Van Vienendal was probably a bit past it to be playing in the Euros <laughs> anyway. <Ooh>, rude. <laughs> I don't know. I just there feel was a like chaotic she's, not energy. Been, she's not been a, a goalie at the top level for quite quite a few years. Um, but yeah, and I guess it says a lot about Van Domselaar's men- mentality, that the way she sort of rose to the occasion. I think she's obviously a player who... Lots of people will be excited to see if she can kind of follow up that at the World Cup, especially with the fact that that she'll be going to Villa um, in September. So, yeah, I think she's she's definitely part of that sort of young group of players who I think have really benefited from the the growth of the Dutch league. I think you know seeing sort of what PSV, Ajax, FC Twenty have have managed to build and the players they've managed to bring through recently um, that they're it's definitely a, a group of players who I feel like are really going to flourish at um, at the national level for the Dutch. I just, yeah, as I say, like, Van Domselaar was excellent, obviously, but I just wonder as a collective if they're still, they're, they're still not quite there yet. Counter-press favourite Jill Rod also returned to the WSL <laughs> in Manchester City. We've got to love, we've got to stand, we've got to stand. But I want to ask you, Kate, about Shanice van der Sanden, obviously someone you know really well and and. Have, uh, played with before she ma- didn't make the Euro squad but she's part of this World Cup squad obviously I, you know we won't know exactly what the, the vibes are within the camp but do you think do you get a sense that as well like this group uh, are feeling different about this tournament compared to say the Euros last year or there's a kind of sense of optimism and ambition again that maybe had sort of escaped them a little bit the, since that amazing 2019 final yeah, I think maybe there was a bit more pressure on them in the last tournament to do well just because they did obviously do well previously and you're almost a victim of your own success, I think, especially when no one really predicted um, what they would achieve. Um, in terms of Shanice, I mean, someone like that is such a great person to have around the camp as well and I know that there's a lot of players that are really good, like big personalities that kind of is really important in tournament football. Um, In terms of what they achieve, I think they will get out of the group stage. I think they'll have enough for that. But it is just a bit unpredictable. I think they have a lot of players that have have maybe not had like the most consistent seasons as well in terms of injuries and things like that. So that can always play a part once you get to tournament football as well. If you haven't had a great season, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're not going to go into the World Cup and, and play well. But... I just think there's, when you've got someone like Viv Miedemar missing, there isn't that star player that when your backs are against the wall or you think, do you know what, we just need one chance to create and we need someone to to grab the game by the scruff of the neck and and win it for us. I don't know if they have that. Yes, they have Bierenstein, who I think she scored in her last four internationals, if I'm right, but she's someone that can score goals but I don't know if as a as a team whether they look at her and go she is our match winner she's the one that's going to go and win it for us um, so it'd be very interesting to see them play uh, I do think they will cause some problems I do think USA will have not an easy game against them um, but I, I 
I don't know if they have enough to kind of go as far as they have previously. Shanice's hair was a real highlight of 2019 because she had the leopard print, she had the le- lipstick as well. Do you think we're going to see some of that same fashion statements again? Or do you think she's more low-key these days? Interesting. I don't know. I think her lipstick is a very big factor of how she plays. And <laughs> has a massive influence on <laughs> Looking good, you know. So I love Shanice. Honestly, she's such... like. One of my favourite people I've ever played with in terms of like person, personality. Um, she'll be looking fresh, I'm sure. <laughs> Good to know. Yeah. Let's talk about Portugal, Jesse, because my stock is high on Portugal. A bit like Colombia. I'm feeling good about these guys. Portugal, like, Colombia and South Africa. South Africa They're your three teams. And um, Zambia. I'm feeling good. I, I'm even tempted to put some crazy bets on for those guys, but I think I might be just channeling Do you want some to come to my watch? <laughs> no. Um, but Portugal, they really impressed me during the Euros last summer. I think they have punched a, well above their weight recently. They've got some really exciting young attacking players. This isn't the easiest group, but I could see them causing some problems. They did well in that friendly against England. And of these sort of underdogs might get out of the group crew across all of these groups, I'm thinking they could have a chance. Yeah, I think your stocks are higher on Portugal than mine are, but that's cool. That's <laughs> it all often good. happens. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, you know, again, a bit like we were talking about with Vietnam, and although maybe on a slightly different level, but Portugal, I'm sure, will come away from the draw with England feeling good, making, you know, feeling like they can compete, they can defend against these good teams. Although I think if I was Portuguese, I wouldn't want to repeat that onslaught. I don't know how sustainable actually it would be across uh, a number of games. Um, I think my concern for Portugal would probably be is like you saw the amount of effort they had to put into defending against England and as a result they did almost like nothing outside their own half and I'm just not sure like how how you kind of can get out of a group if if all you're going to maybe have to do is is be able to defend if you don't it didn't even really feel like they had that sort of one player who could just do something like amazing and dribble all the way up the pitch um so yeah I think again like clearly a team who are developing and I think it's really exciting for them to get to go to a World Cup I think also like the Dutch a team who are really benefiting from um, their league just getting better and you know we've seen obviously Benfica have some great performances in the Champions League and I think all of all of that the, the combination of the European domestic league getting better the Champions League getting better is going to have really like exciting long term effects for, for these sort of teams Um but yeah, I think presumably if you're Portugal, you're looking at the, the Vietnam game and saying like that could be one where we'll have our moment. We spoke about whether the US are favourites to win and whether we think we they will win. But do we think the US probably win this group? Yes. 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 Job done. <laughs> <laughs> that is all we've got time for in our USA slash Group E preview. We're going to be back with our final preview of the week, which is going to be an England special. And then obviously next week, 
the World oh my God. Cup begins. Oh, oh, yeah, I'm not yeah, ready. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not ready. Jesse well, still needs to pack. Jesse still needs to pack. Jesse needs to get a suitcase. <laughs> yeah, that's my you main problem. Not got a problem. suitcase. No. Well, I also need to buy a bag. Should we go suitcase shopping together? TK Max. I don't have time. TK Max. <laughs> what are you going to do then? If anyone is looking for suitcases, I've been plugging it the whole time. TK Max is where to go for your suitcases. Right, but good I'm deals. going to Vietnam after, so I need like a gap here kind of backpack. So I was thinking. Um, um, millets. No, Does that still exist no. as a shop? Yeah, Cotswold. I, think so. I used to no, work in um, Cotswold when I was younger. Fuck, what's that great sports shop? Sports Decathlon. Direct? Decathlon. <laughs> thank you. I love Decathlon. Decathlon's good. Me and me and my ex-boyfriend used to just go play table tennis in there, like on an <laughs> afternoon. <laughs> Are you taking a suitcase and a backpack? No, I'm taking thing? a big backpack. Oh, you're really going like backpacker vibes. Well, yeah, because well, she's I'm, going on a gap year. I'm going on my delayed. No, but I'm thought, going on a ten year delayed gap year. I was thinking about whether you would do sort of like half and half. You know, suitcase for Australia, backpack for. Yeah, but I'm not what going home in between. <laughs> True, or you could just give it to Jesse to take home. <laughs> would you do that for me? Of course. Oh, there you, you paid for it. Job I'm not done. paying. <laughs> paid you for it. <laughs> I'll give you £10. <laughs> anyway, we will obviously touch base with how Jesse's packing is going and how the all the travels stuff. are going next week. But for now, we will see you all soon.